0: We'll be
1: welcome to another episode of Mandatory Redistribution Party. I hope you're all doing okay out there. I am currently doing okay myself. I have had and have shaken off an illness that may or may not have been COVID-19. Jack is having his head mashed by a school system that's having to reorganise during a pandemic using instructions the Department of Education have written on the back of a napkin, what better time to analyse the hypocrisy and underlying assumptions of the politics of civility. Just before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Mandatory Redistribution Party, a leftist political comedy podcast made by comedians Sean Morley and Jack Evans. As a special offer for our listeners, you can go to patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party, type in the code donate, you'll be given an exclusive opportunity, a proper podcast that you enjoy, and unlock some tiny morsels from time to time. Warning, do not donate if it will bankrupt you. Please don't get into trouble. Now, let's return to our scheduled content. So I went shopping.
0: Shopping is a horror show. Whatever existing mental health issues and anxieties I already have have been just like ramped up. So going out bad. And I've been for a few, you know, like government mandated walks. And I find myself crossing the road out of the way, particularly of joggers, but almost anyone really. Yeah, yeah. I've had a few very minority occasions where someone else has been trying to do the sort of let's dodge and let's try and social distance. Whereas a lot of other people are just doing a sort of, oh, they'll get out of my way or they just don't, thinks we should be social distancing or whatever and just think it's irrelevant.
1: I don't know where this stat is from, but someone suggested to Hmm. me that, like, there is an expectation held by, like, all institutions and the government that even now there's, like, up to a quarter of people just aren't going to follow it. The idea is that... That you know, th- this isn't quite a lockdown, so this isn't enforced yeah. by law. But what we're doing is ensuring enough people stay in to flatten the curve. Mm. On on the assumption that even though people have been told, you know, what we're trying mm. to do here is lower a death count, so please stay in. <laughs> <laughs> one in four people in the UK is like, nah, I need to go get some Maryland cookies. <laughs> Honestly, mate, there's
0: it's riddled with them. The supermarket. So your social distance queue going to the supermarket and then it's already kind of bleak because everyone's got like I mean Amy saw a guy with a full gas mask like it's like like the supermarket has like bouncers and let people in kind of a one in one out thing and then they've tried to institute one way systems that absolutely Mm. no one is obeying
1: Well, you can't, supermarkets aren't designed to be navigable at the best of times. Like the slow encroachment of the aisles on anywhere you're supposed to walk. So I've had this real like 28 days later scenario where I was ill when the lockdown was announced. I have just been in quarantine and I Mm -hmm. have now popped out wants now we seem to be trying to chart like personally just our household is charting a course somewhere between the government's advice and the who advice which is like a massive realm you can put yourself in the void yeah well it's about like navigating the void it's two to three weeks difference of what you're allowed to do if you follow the law of this country and the advice that was given to the globe <laughs>
0: The law of this country that is just being used as an excuse by cops to just do whatever they want, arrest even more black people. Yeah. Harass
1: people. But yeah, you go in the shops and like, if you were to try and social distance in in the shops, I've been shopping once. Mm. If I was to attempt to social distance in there, it would take me over an hour. I don't think I can proceed.
0: It's a weird thing where I know that people breaching the social distancing is like potentially endangering Hmm. other people's lives i mean if you look at the maths, it's like thousands isn't it right yeah that you could be infected from like one contact or whatever so that that is the stakes but for some reason my brain would be like well i don't want to embarrass myself or create a tense situation by saying uh please don't do that or or the real response, which should probably be, "Can you fuck off, mate? Can yeah, you fuck off wh- wh- two meters fuck? away?"
1: Yeah. yeah? <laughs> you know, I've heard of people like having strangers get aggy with them just for um, obeying the social distancing guidelines. And then people browsing, mate. People
0: go into the shop in you know quarantine days with with no agenda other than to pick up yeah. various jars, you know, lick them and put them back.
1: Do you know the amount of things I have bought because I just picked them up to look at them absentmindedly? And then I'm like, this is mine now. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I have, yeah, to, yeah, I have yeah, to eat yeah. this. <laughs> this is going to take up valuable basket space. Mm-hmm. I'm shopping for a household, I have to not only buy it but eat it. <laughs> yeah, try oh for. no, yeah, keep like picking up the reduced salt. Is this the one I want? No, but it's <laughs> the one I'm gonna
0: have. Oh, I've reduced salt. The worst reduced salt product is, um, gonna say beans.
1: Mm, i'm gonna say Mm. soy sauce it defeats the whole point what does that even exist (laughs) yeah it's an absolute trap you may as well have reduced soy soy sauce what is that lovely black water thank you
0: (laughs) (laughs) sean what happened to the tolerant left buddy what happened to civility what happened to politely carpet bombing Iraqi playgrounds? Like what happened to the adults in the room docking welfare from amputees because they can lift a box and then like politely abstaining in opposition when the Tories make this even worse? Where have the days gone of the leader of the Labour Party holding up a copy of The Sun for a picture and chiselling the words controls and immigration into granite, but just politely and respectfully a little bit more maturely and calmly. Why can't we have that politics
1: back? The left lost its long-standing relationship with please and thank you the <laughs> moment it realised you can set a Twitter avi to Shrek <laughs> and change your name to Mr Idiot and you can reply to anyone in the whole world <laughs> and call them a gonk. We're never going to get back to the kindly generation where the poor would say... Please and thank you at once while being smothered with smog.
0: <laughs> and here we hit Here we hit the two perhaps contrasting definitions of civility. So we have the normal definition of civility, which in general just means not being a dick and mm. using, you know, please and thank you. We're not saying that please and thank you are bourgeois, even though, of course, the uh, norms of etiquette were invented to distinguish the elites from the nouveau region who didn't listen i how, think after the revolution spoon we'll still say it.
1: thank you yeah but exactly i'm on board uh, ideally with
0: that, right? yeah but so we civility means not being a dick and being respectful to other human beings you know so you don't swill someone's tea in your mouth before serving it to them or you know you don't call your friend's granddad a dickhead so that's what we mean by civility 101 kindness
1: as instructed to a robot yeah.
0: <laughs> but then civility as it apparently means to the british political and journalistic class just means like never question anything for example and i'm just i'm just completely pulling this out of thin air like say like the prime minister suggests he's going to intentionally let thousands of people die if you were to criticize that so you don't have to you don't you don't have to call him a dick or swill his tea around your mouth you just have to suggest this seems wrong that is being unhelpful uh in a time where we need unity and calm you're being a child and you need to listen not just listen to the science but perhaps obey the science
1: criticism and abuse we used to think maybe they were different things but actually <laughs> you no you know wrong. if We've i'm doing on. something like i'm i'm i don't know hitting uh, a fox around the head with a baseball bat in my oh, yeah, kimono for example yeah, yeah and someone says well i don't think you should do that well do you know what that's made me sad <laughs> So if that's not a form of abuse towards me. <laughs> you know, I never experience physical pain. So the only risk I'm really at is that someone makes me take time out of my day to reevaluate my actions. That's like time violence.
0: Yeah, time violence definitely. So if 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 for example, you know, someone who was, say, I don't know, victimized by some horrible reforms to welfare spending was very angry that, you know, it's it's being depicted as like the mature and sensible thing to do to continue to do those policies um, or accept people who further those policies. Like, criticizing that is, you know, in a way, it's making... People who maybe support those policies are aware of the human beings they affect, and that makes them feel bad and they don't want to feel bad. So that is abuse. You know, in the same way, replying to Robert Peston by doing a spoonerism of his name into Pobert Reston hmm. is abuse. But at the same time, you know, in the same... I can hold this thought in my head as well. At the same time, I can think that that's abuse. And I can also think it's a real good idea to platform fascists just Mm. because that's legitimate discourse. Or maybe transphobes. You know, I just... We put them on and they, they calmly debate whether people have a right to exist. And that's like, that's fine. That's the discourse. But then if someone says, like, prick you're a prick or a transphobe or a fascist then, or even a turf, that's a slur. That's a, I feel offended
1: by that. You know, I think this all—the reason the left can't understand this, right? When we say that making someone feel guilty is a form of violence, the reason they can't understand that is a lot of people on the left, when they think of guilt, they mm-hmm. think of the mild disquiet you feel when you realize you've not been appreciative to a friend or you've not given someone the <laughs> the right time of day. But what we're talking about here is the <laughs> level of guilt of someone who realizes they've committed social mass murder. That <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's a level of guilt you can't comprehend. Of it's, it's probably much worse than having your arm shot off. <laughs> Like, if I had to be feel guilty for, like, being in any way responsible for 120,000 deaths, <laughs> I'd probably rather, like, have my body stretched out by horses. <laughs> 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 that level of guilt sounds excruciating.
0: I love how um, the people who were very, um, let's look at the nuance about... Uh, the 120,000 austerity deaths have now heel-turned into pointing to all the other structural reasons for COVID deaths, which is a funny thing, isn't it? It's almost as if there was a political agenda behind them denying the reality of those austerity deaths.
1: Well, de- if you can't point to other structural reasons for austerity death, you just can pivot straight to, this is just mortality and mortality is inevitable, so why ever grieve over anything? <laughs> Yeah,
0: we are all going to die, so actually, fuck it. The entire British journalistic class is actually nihilists.
1: So nihilism is going to be the centre ground, and the new far right is going to be solipsism.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we need to completely change that X, Y axis on the uh, political
1: compass. (laughs) Yeah, you you reach the centre ground now when you start appreciating that there are other beings and they're not just sort of automatons you've created with your mind. (laughs) This is
0: on my mind because it's come to the surface with the uh, the COVID crisis of, with just journalists getting pissy. I think Robert Peston really flipped out about a week ago when he was just, when the government sort of weren't saying anything and then Cummings was just briefing him stuff. And then he would just mm. tweet it out of like, government sources saying this. And like, they're like, well, did, did you ask any questions? And do you think, do you think this is true? Like- do you think this is true? There's a lot of evidence. Here's a load of evidence that this is perhaps a bad idea, Robert. Did you did you ask anything about that? And then yeah. he just did this tweet that was like, listen, my job <laughs> is to, I ask a question... They say an answer, and then I tell you that I don't do anything other than that. That's mm. what I do. And if they're, you know, I'm not going to suggest they're lying. If, if Even if I have, even if the lie detector, which is 100% accurate at detecting lies that has been granted me by a knight of Avalon, even if that is glowing and going, lie, lie, yeah. this is a lie. It's not my place to say.
1: It feels like over the last couple of months, and this is just nice evidence that this stuff is like structural criticisms and not people having individual beefs with individual personalities. Yeah, exactly. Like over the last couple of months, we've seen some kind of ghost leave the body <laughs> of Laura Koonsberg and go <laughs> entirely into Robert Beston. I mean, why yeah. have a mouthpiece who's the head of an organisation that you are trying to destroy? Yeah, Like absolutely. the licence fee is going to be voluntary soon. So yeah. obviously you just need a new person that's going to exist within an institution that will be around in a year's time. Yeah, so it's like if we all hated Laura Kinsberg, why are people leaving her alone now that she's not doing the behaviours that people think are problematic and they're they're criticising the behaviours now that another individual is doing them. Anyone can do the bad thing and get criticised so how can that be framed as individual dislikes? It's almost
0: as if the problem is with the behaviour rather than the individuals Mm -hmm. and perhaps this applies not just to journalists but to politics. perhaps people do criticise politicians not because of any hatred of that politician's person but because of the things they are doing Doing and advancing.
1: Did you ever have it like in school where like there was clearly a student who is like completely violent? Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, 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 And then teachers would have to respond to this, but then the mother would come in and go, "You're victimizing my child." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 the, and the teaching and and the other students are like, they need to stop punching people in the face. Like until they stop doing that, I'm afraid we have to follow <laughs> these protocols for for disciplinary action.
0: Yeah. Well, it's the same. That that is the school version of. Um, the Tories uh, complaining because people won't be their friend. There was a mm-hmm. weird thing, and I think this happens every year. So there's some point in the news cycle where they decide, you know what? Let's in- let's interview a Tory or some Tories about how they're being abused, and it'll be like some some guy will come on and be like complaining that he can't get a student flat, and he'll say something like, "Oh no, I joined the grind the poor into dust party." And why are you, a poor person, why don't you want me to live with you? Why don't you want me, who votes yeah. for the grind the poor into dust by, in your kitchen, to you know, fiddling with your cutlery? Why don't you want me ha, just stood behind you as you try to, you know, relax in the evening? Why don't you want that? That's, That's just like relation. when, you
1: know, those, like, hyper-enforced submarines that they put into the abyssal zone... So yeah. they can just see what's down there. Yeah. But instead of like a s- submarine, it's just someone going to St Andrews University, and instead of an anglerfish, <laughs> it's just the son of a horse breeder,
0: who <laughs> <laughs> is actually one quarter horse. You don't want him in your kitchen because hooven limbs cannot access cutlery properly, and it makes it. And he keeps
1: mess. trying to cook with hay. <laughs> 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 Pop a bit you think of you've hay had an annoying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you think yeah. you've had an annoying flatmate in your kitchen? Try dealing with someone who's a quarter horse. A a centaur.
1: That's why we don't have them as (laughs) (laughs) co-tenants.
0: But that's, again, it comes back to that thing of uh, civility. You know, the two definitions of civility of like actually just not being a dick to people. And then the other view is, why can I not just do bad things and you just allow it? You know, like I am not tolerant of, for example, fascism. I don't want there to be space or to have to allow fascism to exist. Like I do want it to be just gone. The best thing written on this, and a, one of the most relevant things, is that Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham Jail. Have you read mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. Absolute banger. Because, I mean, it is it is a really good document in and of itself. He lays into white liberal moderates, and he's, he's not going after the KKK or whatever. He's going after, he, he's talking about the enemy of the movement being like the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice. King has been appropriated by centrists, and even to an extent the right, As this guy to invoke when you're when you don't like what people are doing, and it it pops up everywhere. It's like um, because they 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 basically translate his nonviolence to I should never be questioned or inconvenienced. Take a tube strike in London and how Londoners, a lot of Londoners, react to that, or like commuters get really pissy about. It's like, well, why can't there be some sort of working class collective action that doesn't inconvenience me? So, well, because it's so a strike, like dickhead.
1: Martin Luther King's nonviolent action means, yeah. If you want to uh, have any mild form of social change or enfranchisement, you just need to get the police to savage you with wild dogs. <laughs> <While> <laughs> with That's the system we have. We need you to get your young men at, have their bones broken by power <laughs> hoses that <laughs> the police are firing at them. That's just how we do things.
0: But they don't want to be inconvenienced. Anyway, they don't want to be inconvenienced by a strike. Right? right, let's take just on the, on the point of strikes, right? Let's take that as an issue of etiquette, right? If we talk about civility, a really important thing of civility for me and a really important piece of moral etiquette would be I would never cross a picket line, right? But that, for a lot of people, psh, doesn't come on their fucking radar. And that's part of how the, you know, the kind of discourse is pleased to, whereas actually union action and strike action is actually almost seen as a bit vulgar, a bit rude back when, you know, Ed Miliband saying these strikes are wrong was yeah. in that frame of, you know, strikes are a... Uh,
1: are bad.
0: Not the conditions that cause the strike. The strike is bad. Um, was
1: this the interview that Miliband did where he thought he was going to be asked one question uh, um, and then he did like a question dodge? But because he thought it was just one question that was supposed to be asked, he thought the other person was doing like multiple takes of it like to get different angles or something. So he said the same <laughs> thing seven times in response to one question about the strikes. It's a really easy way to shut
0: down debate, isn't it? So if you say like austerity killed 120,000 people, And then after it, you write, Tory scum. Hmm. Someone's going to reply to you going like, you know, I actually think it's a really good point that, um, you know, maybe there have been some factors that the Tories have done that have led to thousands of people dying. But actually, your use of the word scum there has really put me off. And unfortunately, I am going to have to vote for the Tories now. Ignoring the criticism to attack the form of the criticism. So it's like, I'm going to make this debate about mob momentum thugs in order that I can ignore perhaps the fact that a lot of the people in Momentum are people in an economy that is radically different from the one that you grew up in or radically different from the one that you experience. So it's about l- limiting what is and isn't acceptable in debate. And like the the day we're recording this is like Corbyn's last day. And the, the thing Corbyn showed more than anything is that even very moderate social democracy is totally beyond the pale in terms of the frame of debate in Britain.
1: like Corbyn shows, and like the whole civility argument shows that, okay, so if you put a swear word in your criticism, then it's completely Mm. invalid. But Mm. then if you don't and you don't do anything, you just politely entreat people to reconsider their behaviour, well, then it becomes ignorable and it will just be ignored. Like Corbyn was like the very model of what you'd want someone to do. Yeah. yeah. If you believe that civil discourse was the highest political virtue you could possibly have, mm. Corbyn was a very mild-mannered, nuanced speaker. And yeah. he was absolutely slated. He was regularly treated like he was abusive to interviewers because he'd mm-hmm. ask people to let him finish his question. He's Everything you'd think would be held up if you really held that virtue. But what people want is for people to be ignorable. That's the highest virtue that the, the left can possibly hold, yeah. is to be someone that you cannot not think about.
0: Well, I mean, like, it's this weird elevation of civility is like the most important thing in politics. And then we have a prime minister who has said so many openly racist, sexist, and homophobic remarks uh, that would just, you know, if you just put Johnson homophobia or johnson sex you know there will be an almost infinite amount of it uh, on the first page of the search results Hmm. that seem to be during the election almost completely undiscoverable to any journalist while at the same time some anime avatar twitter account just writing the word "piss" under a robert peston tweet (laughs) it's like oh it totally delegitimizes the left as a whole it's so fucking grim especially when you think about the actual violence that's enacted against the left and against the working class. I mean, first of all, you've got the entire, like let's not ignore the violence inherent in the system to go like full full Monty Python, right? The -hmm. the violence inherent in capitalism of, you know, the reason the police exist is to enforce private property, um, border violence, right? All of that violence, which is inherent in your day-to-day life. And if you breach the premises of capitalism the sort kind of social contract of capitalism, that violence will fall down upon you like a ton of fucking bricks or like really restrictive trade union laws, whatever. There's loads of violence inherent in the state and in our economy. So you've got that, A, liberal discourse and restricting um, how people kind of criticize this system is, is another way that that violence is perpetuated and that violence is ignored. But then you've got the terroristic violence of the far right, which is a, a global fucking problem, But then you've got, like, the guy who punched Corbyn but did it with an egg in his hand, so that's okay. The people who assaulted Owen Jones, who's been, like, completely delegitimized. But then during the election, like, there there were, like, two things happened. On the one hand, there were actual violent assaults against Labour canvassers, two of whom were in their 70s. You know, a woman got thrown against a car bonnet and another guy got hospitalised. The woman in Herefordshire and the 72-year-old guy in Rotherham Barely touched upon about what what could have led to that violence. And also, you know, question two, why was that violence generally fucking ignored? Like, yeah. violence not just Whereas against- Ian the-
1: Duncan Smith gets, like, all the publicity he wants because someone sprayed, like, you're an idiot on the side of his office. He sprayed, I mean, he sprayed it, Sean.
0: But at the I same think time, he purposely
1: but, moved into an office that already had it on it. <laughs> <laughs> Worked it? there for five years and be like, "This will be useful in the yeah, election." Yeah, I'll keep that in the back pocket. <laughs> yeah, deploy um, that.
0: <laughs> yeah, people being silent saying, "I did that in 2016." Um, <laughs> but, but the other thing of the, the the fake Hancock assault, right? So the Hancock's aide getting getting yeah. assaulted outside that Leeds that Leeds hospital, and all of the main political correspondents of the newspapers and the TV news just reported it it was obviously just a tour a made up tory briefing they just spread it mm. absolutely everywhere and it didn't happen and the only thing that led to the retraction was video footage coming
1: out and just it came out from a just a slightly different angle that no one there was nothing anything like violence it was just a normal run of the mill protest
0: yeah but the, the actual, the original thing was like, oh, rumours, we're hearing that, um, you know, maybe Labour actually brought people in and momentum activists in taxis or something. And it's like, what are you talking about? The 2019 election seems like distant now, but I don't think we can forget stuff like this because it's so illustrative of how the machine works and what's what civility is and who who it works for. I mean, the other giant thing is obviously the abuse of Diane Abbott. You know, she received almost half of abusive tweets sent to female MPs. And then more broadly, black and Asian women MPs are abused much more online. And like, why is that? Why is that not as viciously policed as others? And it's this
1: bizarre focusing of like any. Anything to do with maths, and there's like ten thousand bulldog yeah. avatars going. Yeah. Well, did Diane Abbott do this? But like, this is like <laughs> just just in the last twenty four hours, the yeah. government has mixed up thirty thousand ventilators needed to save people's lives <laughs> with thirty ventilators. That's zero point one percent of their yeah. figure. Yeah. but Yet people are still going. Well, go, well, at least it isn't Diane Abbott because then it would be like. Uh, three <laughs> <laughs> be, be minus three like it's such a <laughs> catastrophic mistake in the first place if you want to lampoon Diana but it's you haven't got the wiggle room too there yeah. isn't enough fewer than 30 to make it a joke the other thing is is that will be completely forgotten about
0: in two or three weeks mm. uh, and then partly because uh the the tories fuck up so much that
1: yeah it forcibly memory holes the last fuck up because yeah people have only got so much like re- short-term memory
0: and the left meme factory is just much more efficient uh streamlined factory than the yeah. right meme factory which just uh is those two jokes of diane abbott can't do maths and i identify as sack helicopter one
1: and- we need to reduce the efficiencies in the left meme factory. We need to bring out complete work to rule. We need to down tools in the evening. We need to have time to percolate on each new fuck up for longer. So here's my proposal, right? So this call to civility, as you can clearly see, is yeah. a way that if you were to shout or if you were to do mass disruption or, mm. God forbid, any form of violence, mm. all of that is delegitimized. If you do anything that is legitimate, firstly, it can be found a way to be delegitimized because it's on the left, but also it becomes ignorable <laughs> because it's civil yeah. and there's no reason to pay any attention to it. So it yeah. looks like there's such a broad spectrum of of obstacles. We can't get past. Has the left... Ever just tried hypnotism? Because <laughs> this idea that we can convince you with this kind of rational argumentation—if you thought of it no. this way—like no, not at all. No. Like the, the no. pandemic has shown me that that is just so completely impossible. We hypnotism need to on a string right through that
0: we need a clock on a string and neuro-linguistic programming
1: we need to get into the fund for big ben and we turn it into a hypnotist's watch yeah yeah <laughs> redistribute the wealth. <laughs> just Johnson- at, like really loud at night so that everyone can hear it yeah
0: i mean the, T- the tories have got that like, nudge unit so let's take it up a, le- a level yeah instead of nudge push yeah shove unit <laughs>
1: I want nudging it, the head of him is like sort of a communist Captain Phantasmo who's like constantly doing card tricks and like table magic, but he's always got this kind of communist symbolism underneath it. Oh, was this your card? The Three of Sickles
0: for some reason the thing this is reminding me of is the demon headmaster where at some point in the demon headmaster the classic CBBC show the headmaster is somehow able to hypnotise people through TVs well I and mean really creeped me out
1: and also very prescient a real good prediction like one of those when the Simpsons <laughs> predicted Trump <laughs> yeah. but that's the thing right? you bring up curve. Trump
0: Trump is like the most uncivil fuck and, uh, but that's why liberals hate him right because liberals are obsessed with the performance of politics rather than the substance of politics right Yeah. so they're really really angry at Trump but if you point out like obama was droning the fuck out of people and deporting kids they'll be like no 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 but he did it nicely like he did he shook the hands in the right way Mm. and he knew how to hold the pen like they're very very obsessed with like etiquette it annoys me obviously i really hate trump i think he's a reactionary arsehole like the the sort of liberal gotcha things of like they're always like annoyed that he's messed up some procedural thing or he's not adhering to the right etiquette that's why the, a lot of American liberals attack Bernie as well. Of like, oh, he's he's too loud. Yeah, he's too loud. It's a tool for restricting what is politically possible. And I'm sure we all watched those Corbyn uh, Johnson debates that happened. Really, dem- like wanting Corbyn to put the boot in, but as you say, he is this like a absolute pinnacle of nice. Calm, yeah, it's fellow. like the
1: experiment that should forever put to bed the idea that nice, measured, rational communication can change hearts and minds in a system ne- where you have no cards. So the idea of just going, oh, could I just ask please is that what you need can I yeah. pl- please
0: I mean for fuck's sake the guy was on TV he had an opportunity to just remove a watch from his pocket say mm. look into my eyes and begin Fully swinging it, it and just get everyone and he didn't like
1: I'd have sent ghosts out of the TV I wouldn't even stop at hypnotism I'd want yeah, full, full ghost. possession yeah I want the ghosts of all the dead socialists to come out of the TV and possess people but yeah, only just... on election day give them free will after that
0: I think I might have been possessed by a toll puddle martyr. <laughs> <laughs> Anger does have a place in politics. And the liberal idea that we should, like, there's two sides to every debate and we should just calmly discuss it. And that's how we come to conclusions, which is why they love, like, platforming fascists. Because if someone's debating someone's right to exist, but they're doing it very calmly in a suit, that's acceptable, right? You know, the liberal idea of debate is everything has two sides and we just need to debate the two sides calmly. But they do that thing as well. Where they, you can platform someone with reprehensible politics and they may remain completely calm, but, but someone in the audience or someone they're debating against, because they say something horrific, but they say it calmly, they may react and become angry or upset Totally fucking justifiably, and then that's used to delegitimize their argument. Oh, but that's sexual emotion. Like
1: like I think that the American like alt-right debate circuit, Mm. it more commonly runs on that rhetorical line than it does on just speaking your opinions. The idea is you go on in a suit, you say just a really over-the-top claim that you might not even be able to defend, you might but you're trying to rile the other person up. It's entire like psychological warfare. Because the moment the person goes can you just stop debating my right to exist and live a life? that are I- like, <laughs> <laughs> the decibel meter says that you're disqualified <laughs> from debate. But even outside the alt
0: right, like, when is a dis- disabled person going to get on BBC News and get to forensically critique? Oh god, I've used the word forensic. It's the new era of the Labour Party, and and like critique a the, the the cuts that have affected their lives, like the draconian horrors that people have been living under for for years and years, like. Uh, where is even the opportunity for someone to become angry about that in a, in a mainstream platform? And therefore, maybe the only space someone has to express that anger is by setting up a Shrek Twitter account. Yeah, Actually, access to mainstream discourse is still hugely restricted. And even when you know the moderate left gets a hold of the Labour Party, one of the two main political parties in Britain... You know, there was an expectation maybe, oh, maybe maybe if nothing else comes from this. You know, in the early, in sort of 2015, people weren't thinking, oh, we're going to compete two general elections on this platform. A lot of the early thing was like, oh, maybe this is a transitionary thing to get Labour back to its political roots. And at least what will come out of it is uh, austerity will be challenged and neoliberalism will be challenged and there will be more actually left voices on the news, for example.
1: And yeah, it was a belief that- just didn't Overton, happen. <laughs> it was just a belief that the Overton window can be moved. Like, that the, yeah. the, it works in the way that people model it as this, you've got this massive grassroots movement. You've yeah. got like a huge amount of voters going towards Labour, but it didn't do anything to shift.
0: No, not at all. Like, well, I think there was a week after the 2017 election, but then the door just like absolutely and completely slammed shut.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think the the psychology of it as well, of like why people do this, why people do this like disciplining and restricting the debate by, by pointing out or you're being uncivil or you're becoming too emotional is like it's either the insincere thing of they're doing it because they know it's a real good trick to just shut down debate or they sincerely do see themselves as like a victim and it enables them to justify their shit beliefs. So you know, if you truly believe our momentum are all f- f- frothing anti-Semitic thugs, like if you sincerely internalise that, then that is—it's totally fine that you've enabled the Conservative Party, then, right? Like, you there's no—if th- you—if you really, really believe that all these people are just like out to abuse people and are just horrible villains, you're still the good guy, right?
1: I think it all stems from this like prevalent environmental belief that we have a system and it almost needs like a blind faith level of trust that Mm. that is the only thing that can lead us out of all these social ills, not shouting or not collective action. And so the moment that shouting or collective action is on the table, that Mm. detracts from the system. The system is the one reason why we have electricity and aren't just stood around in loincloths trying to drink shit water out (laughs) out of a lake right yeah. it's because we have this one system and electoralism is going to pull ourselves out of it so everything that the the traditional tactics of the left are antithetical to that but putting on a suit and talking about race nationalism can be compatible with that because yeah yeah, yeah. because oh. wearing a suit and talking calmly is like it's civilization to these people
0: yeah. but civil civilization to them is them never feeling is one believing that the system works and two never having to confront that the system doesn't work. Because if you are confronted with someone who is the victim of some of the worst aspects of this shit, then that's going to make you feel bad. And what you want to do... But but here's the thing. So the choice for you is, well, I can accept that there's something wrong with the system and then reform that, and that is one route to me not feeling bad anymore. Or I can not feel bad anymore by saying this person should not be able to make me feel bad.
1: <laughs> but then that's why, like, during the pandemic, you see that that it, this was all rooted in the fact that the social problems were over there the moment there's the yeah, pandemic yeah, yeah, that affects yeah. everyone everyone's like don't criticize the government just let the government do what they want if the government yeah. wants special powers they can have the special powers we need to come together unity means letting them have all the power right now that's because the crisis is now affecting them so the yeah. system they put all their trust in their faith is ebbing like if democracy and reason debate was the only way towards making good decisions or keeping everyone safe or having a responsible discussion then why do we mm. stop it the moment that the actual stakes are on the line. That's because they don't put that much faith on it when something could affect themselves. You need to be institutionally... There needs to be a membrane around you provided by institutional class inequality. Yeah. It means that you don't need to worry about things as long as they're not on your doorstep.
0: Because that is, you've just described exactly what they're doing there. And I hate the narrative of, like, these people are the adults in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, that. This that kind of just perpetuating the status quo, perpetuating this completely horrible system is like, the adults in the room. I hate that phrase anyway, because it's like, oh, oh, I want Yvette Cooper back. I want the adults back in the room. What does that say about you? If your if your ideal political figure is an adult, that then then you are a child, right? What do you want a politician to do? Like without a, without a politician to confiscate all the chocky bickies and stop you playing PlayStation? Like what is the yeah. what is going on in your head there? Oh, I want the adults back in the room, because what we're talking about here is tone policing, and there's that the there's a there's a bad criticism of tone policing, which is that it's like a closed loop. Say, say, I say to you, you should not police my tone because I'm legitimately angry about a thing. Then it's a closed loop because what I'm actually saying to you is, I can be angry, but you can't. But I'm not fucking saying that. What I'm saying now is, I I am angry, and if you you can be angry too, but don't please say to me, I feel no emotion. I am speaking from a hovering AI orb of pure laser-focused logic. You are emotional. I exist only in the realm of reason. That's what I'm saying don't fucking do. That, you know, that's what the concept of tone policing is useful for. It's not saying like some people are allowed to have emotions and others are not. It's saying don't pretend you don't have any
1: what we've ended up in and whether or not this was the starting point or the end point, but emotions are vilified. Emotions themselves are vilified. Isn't that like the essential germ of humanity? Of humanity. Of humanity. Emotionally to things. Watch some fucking Star Trek
0: people. Yeah. Well, and also emotion and reason are not two separate things. Even if you apply reason to something, there's probably been emotional causes of why you focused on that. You know, it's really hard, to, as a history teacher, I think, it's really hard to get into kids' heads when they come out of GCSE where they're taught all about, like, bias and stuff. You have mm-hmm. to then hammer into them. Um, Listen, guys, uh, I'm really sorry about this, but there is not an objective source, um, and saying that something is subjective uh, is is basically pointless. And even, you know, they'll say things like, well, this is a secondary source, so it's more reliable. It's like, well, sorry, buddy, but this historian chose to write about these uh, rich you know, the aristocrats of the 17th century because that's what this historian thought history was and they didn't think that any of the impact on uh, black people or women of the time was relevant to history, so they just didn't put it in their book. And yes, they have pursued reason and re- they are reporting facts to you, but perhaps there are emotional reasons uh, or subconscious reasons that have led them to that. And also, like, just the basic thing of being angry while you make a point does not delegitimize that fucking point, right? <sighs> but hypnotism.
1: We or, need to hey, get you know, into hypnotism.
0: Maybe maybe that's you know a short term solution of we maybe we just hypnotize ourselves to Listen, think everything's
1: great. Do you know what <laughs> we've got because the only thing we have is that the very soft left and the liberal center did win the culture mm. war. Right? Mm. So w- if we can just make popular the idea of just going and watching hypnotism. Or if we can get onto the BBC, the idea that young people really love watching like glowing orbs of concentric circles just go round and round at night. So like instead of like, you know how like channels would become deactivated at night, just yeah. just put on this glowing circle and people can stay sure. up late and watch it. Yeah. Get everyone into the idea that hypnotism is trendy, it's cool, it's connected with clubbing and it's connected to an MCAT. <laughs> <laughs> Get everyone into it and eventually the young St. Andrews style Tories will start getting into it to to pose that they have any connection with like oh urban God. London culture and they will just start getting hypnotised and become suggestible. We need yeah. to leverage the culture war to make hypnotism on vogue and then we just start putting our propaganda through it.
0: Listen, Corbyn thinks he's like retiring and gonna have a rest now, but we're gonna send him an email about this. Yeah. And he's got a new career path ahead.
1: And he's got a new moniker. Captain (laughs) Fantasmo One of the fundamental benefits of democracy is that it subjects ideas to scrutiny and scrutiny in turn creates better ideas It's not perfect And in our society, scrutiny can't always be applied reasonably, fairly, or equally. But since we're historically comparing this to tyranny, wherein one person can say, God let me do this. Now if you look at me funny, you'll taste the back of me blade. Then scrutiny is a net positive. It's strange then, that during times of crisis, when decisions become even more important, that the desire for scrutiny almost completely drops off. To perform the basics of democracy now is unseemly craven careerist. The only way to respond to a genuine emergency is with fast bad decisions. Anything else is playing politics. But if you compare this to the relentless calls for civility in politics, let's say you're experiencing a personal crisis, let's say your disability living allowance has been suspended as they were in almost half of cases, according to a report from the Department of Communities. Let's say your block of flats is covered in a form of combustible cladding as a money-saving measure from the local council. Let's say you're trapped down a well and your local conservative councillor has called you a well idiot on a TikTok video. In these instances, you're told to write a letter to your MP, make a formal complaint, You don't need to organise, you don't need to shout, you don't need to describe someone as an office idiot in a short TikTok response video that you filmed at the bottom of a well. We have a system of checks and balances to restore all this. I'm sorry but it's not worth upsetting that balance just for a few odd cases here and there. Of course during an emergency you could say we don't have time to do politics as normal because politics is slow it's slow and unwieldy and useless in a period of climactic urgency it's just people shouting at each other in a language that vacillates rapidly between grunting and archaic honorifics like a mint and mahogany black lodge but it is that way by design it has long been discarded as a method to create effective political decisions For the institutionally powerful, politics is just regarded as another kind of sport for people who find cricket too fast to follow. For Oxbridge PPE briefcase wankers, the import given to collegiate debating societies primes future rulers to see parliamentary debate with the same relationship to truth that tennis has to Jupiter. What happens on the floor of the Houses of Commons is just colourful smoke coming out of the test tube. The true chemical reactions are happening out of sight. Coalitions, party whips, secret pacts are all formed outside the realm of public scrutiny, while Parliament TV broadcasts an interminable, inscrutable pageant as an alternative storyline. If you're one of the institutionally powerful, divorced from reality by a a thick membrane of press briefings, personal drivers, home deliveries, if ever a crisis gets the very rare opportunity to actually impact on your life, it must be really hard to understand why anyone would continue to play the politics game. It's like your mates trying to continue a kickabout after you've alerted them to the presence of a tornado on the pitch. The message given to the desperate and disenfranchised is that your only option is to work within the confines of our intentionally Kafkaesque, sluggish and broken system, that no level of crisis can afford anyone any special treatment because the systems of electoralism and legalism are our only recourse as a civilised society. And yet that message is undermined the moment the institutionally powerful are in crisis. Because in that second their reptile brain kicks in, takes over their body, forces them to the top of the tallest building, to beam the words special powers for the government onto the night sky, using secret fobs that were given to journalism undergraduates by the MI5 free pizza booth on Careers Day. There should be something deeply worrying about calls to suspend scrutiny, as though that's some luxury that should be the first to go. Yeah, we are absolutely in the middle of a crisis. There is a global pandemic. Tens of thousands of people are going to die. It is going to be a national tragedy on a scale that will scar us as a nation. But if our mourning is connected to death count alone, These figures will never compete with the austerity that took the lives of 120,000 people, and that should be a scar that cuts down to our very souls. But instead we are letting the architect of those deaths be our sole source of rescue, while the most senior figures of press scrutiny are voluntarily refusing to ask questions about any of their decisions. Because as it is, it looks like civility politics and business as usual when children are living in poverty, disabled people found dead in their houses after being stripped of benefits, people of colour being deported, left to rot in Yarl's Wood or burnt alive in death trap housing. But the moment there's a crisis that can affect the gated communities of King's Cross, the country goes into red alert. We turn into Tracy Island. He throws slides open to reveal a cannon capable of firing all due process into the sun. If we truly believe our system can help people, we'd retain that in times of political crisis. And that's not a belief I hold, by the way. Since I'm newly unemployed, and it takes literal days to get into universal credit at the moment, since it is still mandatory to use a phone line to make your first appointment. And then you need to wait five weeks before your first payment. But if that is what you profess to believe, and if requests for civility is all you can offer to people when they are experiencing their time of crisis, then you are telling people in their bleakest hour the best thing that they can do for you is to suffer quietly. Mandatory redistribution party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean, with additional music by Sean Morley. If you'd like to help us out, why not consider getting a mandatory redistribution party tattoo? Please send us your reasons why not to P.O. Box 9989 and it will go straight to the staff at Blue Peter. Good night.